Welcome to the Indie Comics section. Join us as we take you through the pages of some of the best stories and art available in comics. We'll talk to creators, hear about their inspiration and creative process, and then we'll read their comic and discuss it together. We hope you'll join us on this journey into some incredible comics and find some new favorites along the way. Welcome back to another amazing episode of Indie Comics. Uh, I just realized I am super excited that this is like lady episode. Yes, There's it is. five of us and we're all women. I love Ooh. this. Hey. I'm into it. Jeff is sick. We miss him. We're sorry, <laughs> Jeff, but also like lady time. <laughs> I am Maddie. I'm Sylvia. And we have three incredible guests joining us um, from Nuclear Power, the new fan base press book. Uh, if you lovely ladies would like to introduce yourselves. I'm Desiree. I'm one of the writers. I'm Erica Harrell, one of the writers. Um, I'm Lynn. I'm the artist. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited to have you here. Um, if you could kind of just share to start out, what is Nuclear Power about and how did it kind of come to be? Well, it's an alt history take on the Cuban Missile Crisis set in modern day. So it's you know, what would have happened if the nuclear bombs fell in um, October during those 13 days when the United States was at a standoff with the USSR. And so we pick up in modern day and um, it's like how the government has reshaped and our main character, Dr. Claudia Tachi, she discovers that there's this dark secret that the new government in this new country that was the United States is keeping from their citizens. And so she goes on this mission to expose the secret to everybody. Mm, that's awesome. I love a good intrigue yeah. and a good mystery. <laughs> Thank you. Where, where did the idea come from? Like who kind of thought of it? So uh, Desiree and I are both uh, from Florida and both of our mothers um, happen to be Cuban and we met in college when we were in Orlando and we kind of had a bunch of shared experiences um, having Cuban mothers and like how much the Cuban Missile Crisis, like even though that happened in 1962, um, was affecting um, our mother's lives and then mm. like subsequently our lives as kids. So um we also bonded heavily over like geek culture and Desiree and I were going to Comic-Con together um, for years. And so we were really kind of inspired by what if those bombs had gone off in the sixties, what would the world look like today? Because we did come so close and basically to the yeah. brink of nuclear war. And um, we wanted to just kind of combine our love of history and comics and superpowers and um, kind of brainstorm and came up with this idea together. And uh, like you were saying, it's lady night. So we wanted a, <laughs> Male lead POV um, to take us into the story. That's awesome. I love a good female main character. Don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, this is jumping right in there with the deep stuff. But what? You know, you talked a little bit about your your families and the Cuban Missile Crisis and what it was like for you growing up. What What does that mean to you? And like, where where does that inspiration and that, that sentiment come from? Well. When the Cuban Missile Crisis happened, my mother um, was only about seven years old, and it used to be that travel between um, 
Florida to the United States to Cuba was not an issue. And so they would go, she lived in Key West and they would go back and forth visiting relatives all the time. And when that happened, like all contact with family in Cuba was just cut off and they never spoke to those family members ever again. Um, and my, my family that was in the States, they, uh, were targeted for being Cuban. And so it like, fortunately, um, my family was able to pass as white, but it meant my mom had to stop speaking Spanish and they just like tried to Americanize as much as possible. So that kind of had a ripple effect downstream of like, I didn't learn, I'm not fluent in Spanish. Um, and neither of my siblings and because, because of that. And so there's so much about like our culture that we didn't know. And, you know, Erica can speak to this as well. Cause she went through her, her mother went to, through something similar when she came over. Yeah. My mother came over in the like mid sixties and um, just the lingering resentment um, towards Cuban people that especially um, Florida had, um, in Tampa, like where I mainly grew up back then, they had um, signs in lakes that everyone else could swim in. And the sign said, like, no dogs or Cubans allowed to swim in here. So there was just like this kind of undercurrent of racism that kind of carried over and this like mistrust of, you know, who are these people? Are they communists? Are they coming into our country to do something else? And um something nefarious. And so there was just kind of a lot of, of um, those sentiments that kind of um, came out of it. So it's a, became like a, we were kids now. Yeah. And it became like an important theme for us. And the story of nuclear power is, um, people being judged for being different and assumptions being made about them because they're different. And instead of looking at people on an individual basis. So, um, that's kind of was one one of the big themes we wanted to tackle in this comic book while also having like the superhero twist to it. Um, so that was like a big inspiration when we were tackling the story. So in, in jumping on that, because I'm, I'm kind of, you're describing the story and I've kind of just latched on to this, to this question in my mind, which is why why the medium of a comic book? What got you into comic books? And why a superhero comic book? Like, I want to know all of that about the story. <laughs> why this this format for this story? That's a, a really great question. Um, Desiree and I, like I mentioned previously, like we loved going to Comic-Con together. Um, we'd go down to San Diego almost every year. And, you know, so we were always like fascinated by like the DC, the Marvel world and the characters that were created there. And um, we were working in video games and um, writing for video games and interactive media. And we ended up uh, applying to the DC Comics writing program, mm. and um, which was taught by uh, Batman writer Scott Snyder, Batman and, of course, many other books. But um, we were accepted into the DC Comics writing program, and we were the only women accepted that year and out of like 1,500 applicants. Um, and we, you know, came in as a writing team and I think we were some of the youngest, maybe the youngest, um, writers that were in, that were selected for that class. So it was incredible. It was like being back 
in college where Scott Snyder would give us reading assignments and writing assignments and, you know, kind of really taught us the um, ins and outs of comic writing, um, you know, how many words you should have per bubble and what, you know, how much leeway do you let your artist have? And um, we... Uh, well, we thought, like, we had originally... we. We had originally thought of this as, like, because our background is also in games and television. Maybe this is a television show, but when we went and wrote this script, it was so big that mm. people are like, this is this is, would be the most expensive TV show. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, having learned what we did in the DC Comics writing program, and I also want to throw this over to Lynn. Um, she went through the artist program there, and can speak to that experience, but we met her and seen her artwork. We're like, this is the this is the artist we want. This is the person <laughs> mm-hmm. that can take our idea, our words, and like give it a whole new life, life visually. That was going to uh, be my next question: was how did you meet Lynn? And so was it through <laughs> the program? Yes, uh, we met through. Uh, well, here's the thing: the artists and the writers program were not. Uh, physically in the same space, but mm. we did get to meet through like the DC meetups and, you know, um, DC kind of hosts uh, dinners or um, seminars sometimes. Yeah. And through that, we, we met like face to face. And, you know, through comic, you know, through com- comic conventions, we met from time to time. And yeah, uh, fortunately, my schedule opened up and, you know, Desiree and Erica are like s- super talented writers. So I couldn't pass up the opportunity. <laughs> That's oh, awesome. What drew yep. you to this comic? Was it just them? Or was it the concept? Mostly the strength of their talent. Hmm. Because I really didn't know much about the script when I uh, agreed to get, uh, go on it. Like, just a base loose thing. But it's like, you know, uh, yeah, these these girls are, are, as my sister would put it in her best compliment, are smart cookies. What was the greatest <laughs> challenge in... in- creating art for this book uh initially it was uh there was a lot of research that had to be done even for like just two or three pages if it's set in a submarine you have like geez how would i draw a submarine yeah (laughs) all the pictures are grainy or really (laughs) bad solution i was like i'm gonna have to make sense of that uh things like that um but yeah a good proportion would be like the the research of the military stuff um yeah, because the first like the first three pages are set during the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962 mm. um, on two warships, and so it's like They're having really yeah all the uniforms for both the American and the Soviet side, and the different ships. We tried to include as much reference material pictures as possible of like the actual ships. Um, of the USS Randolph and the Soviet submarine. Yeah. But we we're just like, this is still a lot of work for Lynn. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> At least you now have like a very unique uh, artist credit for like drawing a very specific time period of ship and submarine. Yeah. <laughs> if they ever need a specialist there, you're like, I've got it. I've got the potential. <laughs> yeah. And then when we do the flash forward, we go 60 years into the future, but it's this. Um, new country that's been developed because Erica and I did a lot of research as well and we learned that if the bombs had fallen basically both coasts Mm -hmm. of the United States would be destroyed and the only thing that would be left would be like the center of the United States 
And so reforming the country there, but then the, you know, the space race wouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. Like so many important moments in history wouldn't have happened. So you'd kind of still be frozen in the early sixties, late fifties. So kind of incorporating that look as if it's like communist Cuba or today. Yeah, like today. So we were like kind of very influenced by like these countries that, you know, are presenting a front to the world of like, everything's great here, but underneath, um, you know, they don't have enough fuel or food for their people. So we were very inspired by that kind of look and feel for the comic. Which is so cool because you get to kind of do this world building and this creative enterprise within a world that already exists, right? Like you have the modern day, but how would it be different and what would be the same? And that's got to be a really interesting creative uh, uh, activity. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's probably the most challenging for Lynn having to be like, okay, but what does this actually look like? Yeah, it is a little bit tough because it is still based on reality. And you can't go too far to one side and can't go too far to another side. Like, it still has to be conservatively in realism. And frankly, I don't think much pe- many people will notice a difference. Like, you know, unless they're really observing, like, oh, that car looks vintage or this, you know, clothing looks a little older or more mm-hmm. conservative than it would be in you know, modern times. But, you know, that's about it. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was really Lynn who like um, came up with like the look of the comic. She when she put to, she put together a whole Pinterest board of inspiration. Gotta love Pinterest. Yeah, <laughs> love Pinterest. We're ladies. We love Pinterest. Right? <laughs> Listen, we'll Pinterest is a type. tool. Pinterest is a tool. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Tool. We're very professional <laughs> over here. Absolutely. <laughs> but she put up a lot of you know like. Um, propaganda art from the 40s 50s 60s and like it was kind of that look that was our springboard into the artwork for the comic um i'll let you i'll let you talk about that more lynn um well um yeah it was just basically trying to find inspirational ideas to mold the look of the um the universe but like i said it is very grounded in reality so there's nothing really much outlandish stuff but we did i still wanted to get like uh, it's a little bit hard to you know put everything in absolutely comic art itself so i did kind of go for an approach with the design overall and the Mm. feel of the comic too by looking at a lot of graphic design from the 60s Mm. oh that's Um, awesome so so you'll see a color palette that sort of reflects that tone or uh, maybe an aesthetic of design of that period. So we're trying to, not just in like the setting of the story, but also the design of the comic book itself, we're trying to like match the setting of the 60s and the 50s. Did you have um, any other uh, very specific artistic influences or maybe literary influences that that helped you design this world and craft this story? I have a pile of books next to me right now, <laughs> which um, probably a little bit too lengthy to go through. <laughs> but I have been looking, um, I, I wanted a clean style. So I was looking at a lot of Stuart Eminem stuff right now and um, mm. Brian Stelfreeze. Okay, um, I love him. Just for just the basic line work uh, inspiration. Uh, as far as storytelling goes, that is like a vast mixture of 
different kinds of storytellers. So it's that, that's a little bit harder to listen to. Go into. Mm, definitely. <laughs> yeah, Erica and I like to, um, whenever we're just summing up what this is about, we're like, it's kind of like Handmaid's Tale meets X-Men. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. I love that. <laughs> nice. Okay. I'm sold on that alone. <laughs> Say no more. Like, that's amazing. What um what made you feel like this was a limited series? Because it's, what, six issues, right? I mean, is there room for a sequel? Is this something that you just kind of knew there was a beginning, middle, and end, and that was the story you wanted to tell? Um, why this format? Um, I'm sure Erica and I could go on for, like, several issues. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we went with this six-issue arc to just focus I don't want to like give away the ending but we knew what like one of the big like clear endpoints were and so we wanted to just get to that endpoint um and that was like our the main story and focus on Claudia's drive to um expose the secret and get that secret out there um we feel like so the story, these six issues is just contained to um, what was the United States, what is now called the American Union. But like there is definitely a world where like once the story concludes, you can see what else happened in the rest of the world. Yeah. Because like, you know, what was called China, what was called Manchuria at the time, which is now China, like that wouldn't exist either. The, there's, it's kind of just to see how the world would have been affected had all these nukes actually gone off yes, and it's our power the structure. States, like um, the U S government's plan, basically if the cold war had gone the wrong way was we had nukes pointed at both Russia and at China because we wanted to take them out as well. Mm-hmm. And you know, that information didn't come out until like years after the Cuban missile crisis. So there's definitely like room for, you know, if these six issues do really well, there's room to go um, a bit more global with the story. And we've kind of always envisioned it that way. But as you know, you know, being an indie comic podcast, like Mm -hmm. it all is about like sales and like what Mm -hmm. kind of support and like, you know, backing you can get from people once you put your product out there. And that is why we and our five listeners are here for you. Everybody, (laughs) all five of you. I appreciate all five. You. <laughs> um, yeah. Please, more than please go pre-order yeah. this book. It comes out next October. You can pre-order it from Fanbase. Um, we will uh, have all the information at the end of the podcast and down below. But please, please, please pre-order it. Um, that gives them a great idea of you know who's interested and what's going on, and get excited for it. Um, so your your dollar matters. You can support amazing art and amazing um, artists and creators and. That's why we're here, right? <laughs> Thank you, Maddie, for that wonderful pitch. book. Uh, <laughs> great I, pitch. I loved it. <laughs> Thank you. I am curious what particular audience, uh, if there is one, that you are writing this work for. And uh, I guess to kind of put that same question another way, what do you want people to leave this work with? Well, I think we always write for ourselves first. Because whenever we've tried to, like, write for an audience in mind, it's always been, like, our worst piece of writing. (laughs) So I think it's always, like, what do we, like, want to read or watch? Like, what what moves us? 
and then hoping that that connects with other people. Um, I think like, I think women would really connect with this. Um, we really wanted, there's, although there's a bunch of characters that do have superpowers and stuff like that, our main protagonists don't have powers. Hmm. They are, um, but they are the ones that like lead this revolution. Hmm. Um, so we kind of wanted to just really reach out to anybody that feels like, oh, I don't really, I don't, I don't have comics or I don't. Yeah. I, I don't, I can't make an impact on the world. Who am I? It's mm-hmm. like, you know, you like don't underestimate yourself kind of just like anybody who's feels like the underdog. Um, yeah. this is definitely an underdog story. Um, what was the second half of that question? <laughs> <laughs> that, that was really it. I mean, you know, what do you want people to get from it? And is there a particular audience? Is this, you know, all ages? Is it more mature? It's definitely more mature. We definitely show some childbirth in there too. So. <laughs> I had to Google image that. <laughs> <laughs> the things the that best. we've had to, Lynn's had to Google for us. And you know what? Some of these are innocuous, but you still get horrible things pop up on Google image. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Your search history has probably got a lot going on. Now. Yeah, it does. <laughs> That's awesome. So the moral's really just, you know, how do you understand that as a regular person, you can make a huge impact and you don't need superpowers to do that? I love yes, that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, you. What, you know, what did this, does, is this your first official published comic? Have you done things before? We published um, uh, we were the dead shot. Uh, Go ahead, Erica. Yeah. Oh, sorry. In the DC comics program, they published a um, dead shot issue um that we wrote and we had such a great time writing that like very masculine over-the-top male character um (laughs) this will be second published that's so exciting and your first like fully owned you know this is a a huge step and i i know i'm personally super super excited to see what comes from all three of you in the future as well i mean this is a big step forward and hopefully will be wildly popular um can you uh, share a little bit more about just kind of what you do in the case of artists and or writers block? I know that we have a lot of people who listen who are interested in starting their own comics or who are, um, you know, kind of coming up with their own stories as well. What do you do when you hit a wall? Um, well, it's, it's kind of interesting in our case, like Desiree and I are also television writers, um, as our day jobs and, um, in TV writing, you know, we're in a writer's room being able to toss around a bunch of ideas in a group of people. And it's really helped us just as a team where like, if one person's not feeling, you know, it that day, the other person <laughs> can like be able to like kick up and either like say something that inspires them, you know, to kind of get their writer's block out of the way, or, you know, you both can kind of like walk away from a project and take a beat for a minute and kind of, um, read something else or watch something else and come back and be like, okay, now I'm re-inspired. Yeah. I'd, I'd say talking it out with somebody like joining, if you're a beginning writer, joining a writer's group. Yeah. Um, and so you're getting feedback and you're reading other, reading other people's material is so important, um, to learning how to write yourself. Um, I don't know. How does that work for like being an artist, Lynn, like when you get artist block? Well, my, um, my advice to any like artist who wants to become a comic book artist is like 
to start small, um, do small projects in the beginning, um, maybe first one page, then two pages, then three pages. Um, the more, uh, the more projects that you have completed, even if there's very small ones, will be building blocks to you know for later. Comics are, are is hard. Yeah. You need a lot of uh, patience and confidence in order to do that. And mm-hmm. if you try to jump into a, like a huge project that is t- over your head then you'll lose confidence and you'll never be able to finish mm-hmm. that and then you'll be discouraged. So my advice is to like do small projects first, write one short story. It doesn't have to be good. Mm-hmm. Draw that story. Maybe it's only two or three pages. And then if you complete those two or three pages, then go to five or six pages. And then if you put that under your belt, you'll have that confidence to keep on working larger and bigger projects. And hopefully the artist block will, you know, the paralyzing fear <laughs> every single day will not be as much of confidence because, you know, hey, you know, I was able to finish that project, so I yeah. should be able to finish this, you That's know. awesome. So kind of just keep creating, keep pushing on, um, yeah. talk it out with other people, find your writing soulmate. Um, <laughs> yeah. only that was so easy for everyone. Do you guys ever argue about things? Oh, all the all time. time. What, Every day. <laughs> what happened? I mean, do you just talk it out until somebody wins? Or, like, has there ever been something that you guys were just, like, completely on opposite sides of? Like, how did you resolve it? Well, I think that, um, you know, if someone really feels so passionately about something, it makes the other one kind of stop and think and say, okay, like, clearly, if you're this hung up on it, like, I need to kind of adjust my thinking <laughs> to understand that it's, like, important to you and why it's yeah. important. It's such a beautiful and I feel female way of thinking. (laughs) (laughs) No offense, men can be sensitive and wonderful, but (laughs) on lady night. (laughs) Let's just sit down and like adjust our viewpoints for a second. (laughs) Which it isn't such a good. And come together and be collaborative. Like that is so. Yeah. If only everyone could think that way and really understand. Yeah. When someone's bringing something up again, it's because they care and it's because they have, you know, strong feelings about it. And that's usually a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's always just like we're working towards a common goal of like the advancement and making the best product that there is. That is, that's like the thing with feedback, right? It's like if someone's offering you feedback, it's because they care enough to do it. (laughs) So it, it means that they want, you know, your product to be better. And that's, that's usually a good thing. But actually to that point, we have a question we love to ask everybody. Um, and it is, what is the worst review you've ever gotten? And that is whether it's funny or whether you learn something from it or whether you just, you know, want to burn someone on a podcast. Um, you know, sometimes it's a, it's a growing experience, but what is the very worst review you've ever gotten on your work? Oh my gosh. I try not to read reviews. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, we wrote on this very funny, like all female sketch show called Batch a Sketch Show. And um, a lot of the sketches would go up on YouTube and just like any comment on YouTube is just like the most hilarious and also just like damaging like, <laughs> yes. to, to read. So like that, this would just be like, this is the least funny, stupidest thing I've ever seen. And, like, <laughs> so probably that. <laughs> I think I've been fortunate not to get too many bad reviews. It's usually the, you know, the run of the mill people just spotting off without thinking kind of criticism, which you really can't take much, you know, into account. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I mostly stay off of social media and stuff like that too. It's not mentally healthy sometimes. 
That's very true. And that, that's one of the reasons we asked this question, too, is like taking it with a grain of salt, understanding that everybody gets criticism, even the very most talented people. Um, it's always going to be there. Hate is going to hate. And we're going to laugh about it. We're going to shake it off. Yeah. Yeah. Taylor yeah. Swift moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, ironically, Tyler's dancing in the corner of the room. That was not coordinated, but I wanted to share it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He's forever immortalized on this podcast now doing that. He's still here, guys. He's not on the podcast anymore, but he's present. He's all around us. Um, <laughs> is there anything that you guys want to share with future readers? Because this book doesn't come out until next year, right? That's correct. correct. Yeah. We have a bit uh, of a wait coming for us. Well, if you pre-order, you do get some uh, amazing artwork from Lynn. Um, we have some like really cool exclusives um, where if you pre-order, you get like all six all the cover prints of all the covers of all six issues as well as the variant issue one cover that hasn't been released it'll be the only way to get that um so that's definitely an incentive to pre-order like erica and i cannot go on and on enough about lens amazing artwork mm-hmm. and i personally can't wait to get all those prints and just like frame them because they're just like gorgeous they're gonna be gorgeous to look at yeah and and lens artwork is like the main reason like we will go through and we're like let's see how many of our words we can take out so we can see more of lens amazing work yeah <laughs> so, like, lynn has actually told us at one point like Guys, you need to put more words back in here. <laughs> we don't want to cover any of this stuff up. <laughs> that is so awesome. So, everybody, you can pre-order Nuclear Power on fanbasepress.com. It'll be on Comixology next year. It's coming out officially in a whole year, which you guys have got us so hype. I can't believe we have to wait so long. But pre-ordering really makes a difference. And then think of the nice gift you'll get next year. When you've already purchased this amazing comic for yourself, what a gift from you to you or from you to a friend or a lover or your mom or your dad or your sister or your or cousin. Everybody, everybody in your family. Yeah, you know, you're a estranged cool. friend from high school that you haven't seen in a long time. You're like, hey, here's nuclear power. You're going to love it. <laughs> I, you know, I feel like I can pretty solidly guarantee it's going to be quality. <laughs> I know I'm super excited to read it. Um, what else are you guys working on, though? What's what's the future for the three of you? Uh, Lynn, do you want to go first? Um, yeah. Um, other than, you know, working on this graphic novel, I have been doing here and there, you know, co- covers for other companies nice. um, like Dark Horse and Dynamite. And things like that. Um, yeah, that's basically it. The graphic novel takes most of the time. So. <laughs> Understandably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Erica and I were currently writing on a half hour sitcom. Um, so very, very different than the, this tone, which is fun to go back and forth between the two of them. So that really takes up most of our time. <laughs> Are you, yes. Is it something in development? Is it out now? Can we know? Are we not supposed to? It's know? out now. It's a um, it's an interactive multicam called Just Roll with It. That's so and cool. <laughs> it's really cool. It's filmed in front of a live studio audience. Yes, those are real. Mm-hmm. And what's different about our show is that our audience actually gets to vote on things that happen to our actors in scenes, and the actors don't know when it's coming or anything about what it's going to be. That sounds oh. like the most stressful and the most fun acting job ever. <laughs> Yeah. 
the most stressful and most fun writing job too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's so cool. Are you working on any comic stuff coming up? Any future ideas? Um, oh, yeah. we're developing a couple ideas. Yeah. Uh, we need, uh, you know, Lynn to work on this one, so then maybe we can talk her into doing another one with us. <laughs> Make it popular. Nuclear power China, nuclear power Russia, nuclear power everywhere. Yeah. Awesome. Well, great, thank you great all. <laughs> nuclear <Yeah>. power. Um, <laughs> thank you guys so much for joining us. It's Desiree Proctor and Erica Harrell, amazing writers. Lynn Yoshi, illustrator. Thank you all so, so much for joining us. And thank you, wonderful listeners, for listening to Lady Night. It's been awesome. I had a great time. I hope you had a great time. Who couldn't have? Who couldn't have a great time? Check out our other podcasts on iTunes. Excuse me. Now it is Apple Podcasts <laughs> and all other podcast apps. And check out our website at thegrandgeekgathering.com for articles, videos, and more. Please also remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Tell us how much you love Lady Night. Tell us if you want a gentleman's night. I mean, we can, we're open to it. We can make that it. happen. But, I mean, I mean better, but, you know, if you want that, tell absolutely. us. I will consider it. I will put it under review. Um, but please give us all the stars. Let us know what you think. Let us know how excited you are for nuclear power. I know that we are. You can stay updated on our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we stream on Twitch. The intro is provided by Cranston, and you can buy nuclear power at fanbasepress.com. It'll be on Comixology. Please pre-order it. It means everything, um, and it makes all the difference for amazing indie books like this to be made. Um, so come and join the gathering. Have a great week, and GGG. That was so nice, just the two of us, little mm -hmm. lady moments. Super fun. <laughs> Thank you all so much. Thanks for joining us. We really appreciate Thank your you time, and we are so pumped to read this book.